you're listening to the teaching podcast of Crossridge Women's Studies from our fall 2021 study of the Psalms. Okay, here's here's my plan tonight. I always feel like we need to have sort of a celebration because we did it. We accomplished something. We we finished a study and you know what? More than we just finished a study. We endured to the end. Yes, we did. Those of you who are here, you endured to the end. And there is something to be said for that. I'm actually studying James right now. And it's really important to endure to the end. So I just want you to, like, say, yeah, I endured. I can endure to the end through one of these studies. So thank you for hanging in there with us. And I, I do hope that, that you can say, like, this has been fruitful. And there's a lot of ways in my life that this has, is bearing fruit even now. Has and is and, and that we can be confident that it will. So my plan is just take a couple minutes if, if, um, just to talk about Psalm 118 and 144. And then I want us to do sort of um, a big reflection time that we're going to do sort of in our groups, but it's kind of on our own. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Then um, we're going to have our group prayer time. Then uh, we're going to end with just a little bit of a wrap up. Um, We're going to read Psalm 150 together to sort of end it off because I feel like we should do that. And we're just going to see, yeah, just sort of wrap it up, I guess, as much as we can. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, so let's start just with Psalm 118 and Psalm 144. I'm just going to say a couple of things about Psalm 118. Um, and then I'm going to open it up. And if you guys have really meaningful things that you want to share um, from Psalm 118 from your study, then, then you can just do that. I don't want to not give you that chance to to talk about what you saw if you have something you wanted to share because it's such a blessing to the rest of us when you see things like that so psalm 118 um is is actually called a psalm for passover it was traditionally sung on passover sunday and if you in your studying you might have come across that if you read some of your study bible notes or anything like that um Lots of scholars say Psalm 118 was probably the psalm that Jesus sung with his disciples um, right at the end of the Lord's Supper and before they went up to the Mount of Olives. There's that funny sentence that says um, they sung a hymn and then they went out and then they go to the Mount of Olives, uh, the garden, sorry, they go to the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus prays. And so this was traditionally the Passover psalm. So it's super interesting. I should have told you that before, actually. You spent a whole week in it. Because that's sort of a beautiful thing to think about Jesus and his disciples um, praying this psalm together. Um, But it is sort of triumphant. It has a bit of a feeling of progress. I don't know if you noticed that. But there's sort of, there's a processional happening. They're starting at one place and they're moving, and they end up at the temple and at the altar. And it starts with this call to worship of everyone in the community. Let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, and let those who fear the Lord. So it's all of Israel, it's the Levites, and it's the God-fearers among them who maybe are not Israelites. Everyone um, 
praise the Lord. And uh, so they remember this victory that God has given the king. They remember the covenant too. There's this funny, couple funny repetitions of uh, the right hand. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. The Lord's right hand is raised. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. So if that sounds funny to you, um, yeah, it's, that is typically a, uh, is covenant language because you raise your right hand to swear to the covenant, right? So that's what that um, sort of language means. And then they come to the gate and there's this expression like, open the gates of righteousness for me, I will enter through them. And, and you can almost hear like this messianic king that comes in and, and we have this privilege of looking back and thinking about Jesus being the, the messianic king that triumphantly comes into uh, Jerusalem, even on Palm Sunday. Um, and then at the, at the end, there's this exclamation, bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Literally, like, so bring the sacrifice, we're here. It's the full expression of worship at the altar, in the temple, in the presence of God. And it begins and ends with this repetition, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And when you have this sort of repetition that's at the beginning and the end, we call it an inclusio. And it's just like it, it holds the whole thing together with this um, exclamation, which actually is really common in the Psalms. You've probably read it in other places or it sounded really familiar to you. And, um, and it is. It's, it is re- repeated often. And actually, I was reading this week in the book of Ezra. And when... Uh, when Ezra had all the Israelites come back and they laid the foundation of the temple or when like the King Cyrus said they could all go back and so Ezra led the people and they laid the foundation and Ezra had everybody come to worship because here's the foundation of the temple we're rebuilding the wall like they all said give thanks to the Lord for he is good his steadfast love endures forever so it's it's common not just in the Psalms but for God's people Okay, Psalm 144, let's just look at that one. Um, When I read Psalm 144, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but there's so much that we've already seen before. There was so much repetition from other psalms, from other psalms that we didn't even study, from other places in the Old Testament. I don't know, did anybody else see that? Did Did you mark some of those things or find that? Yeah, I just found myself looking at a lot of connections. Some of the ones that I saw, you you maybe saw more, but... Just at the beginning with this idea of the stronghold, the shield, the refuge. It sounded a lot like um, Psalm 91. Uh, there's like a whole chunk that sounds exactly like Psalm 8, which we didn't study, but it's quite a famous psalm. Lord, what is human that you care for him, a son of man that you think of him? Um, psalm 92 also talked about the ten-stringed harp, and that was back again in this one. Um, and Psalm 103, it just reminded me like this, the idea of human is like a breath, his days like passing shadow. We've seen that in other Psalms too, just the sort of the temporary nature of man. Mm-hmm. Any other connections that you saw to other? I thought of Psalm 92 with um, may our sons in their youth be like yes. 
Yes. Yes, that's right. That too. Yeah, and even like it sounds a lot like Exodus. Lord, part your heavens and come down. Touch the mountains and they will smoke. Flash your lightning and scatter the foe. Um, like that to, I always try to rem- remind myself that um, the Exodus and what God did there for Israel out of Egypt and to Sinai was like the monumental picture for them of deliverance. That was to them, like that was deliverance, right? So they often are talking about that and including language that, that goes back to that. But it also reminded me of Mark, actually, that part your heavens and come down, because I know that was like in Mark, I can't remember what it was that it said, but like there was this imagery in there that it's almost like the heavens were tore open and the voice of God came down, and it was from the book of Isaiah, so... It sort of, it took me back to Exodus and Isaiah, but also forward to Mark. Yeah. Um, so the ultimate celebration, did you see at the end, um, this idea of the triumphant kingdom? What were some of the things that mark this, this victorious kingdom? You can say it in your own words if you had paraphrases or, or whatever. Abundance. Yes. Abundance. I said that too. Freedom. Freedom. Health and peace. Yes. Safety, right? No breach in the walls. No going into captivity. We said freedom. Yeah. Peace, no cry of lament in our public squares. And, yeah, abundance and provision. Yeah, for sure. And then one of the most interesting things, I think, is you get to the end and you see this kingdom that is victorious, and it doesn't look like a whole bunch of warriors and, like, military might. What does it look like? Sons and daughters. And cows. Yes, and cows. (laughs) It's a family, right? I think that's interesting. The human resources of the kingdom are, are sons and daughters, and then also, yeah, like plants nurtured in their youth, and it just reminded me, it sort of took me all the way back to, I always think now of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the way of the wicked, and this, he was like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, um, who bears its fruit. Yeah, so it, it took me back to there, and then sure enough, right at the end, we get this declaration Happy are the people, or blessed are those with such blessings. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And I thought, yeah, that's right where we started. Blessed is the man. And the really interesting thing about the the blessing of this kingdom that we've been talking about and following through the whole book of, of Psalms is the relationship with God. And we talked about that way back in the beginning. I can't even remember what Psalm, and Rachel, you said it sounds a lot more like relationship than, you know, do all these, check these boxes. And it is. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Blessed are those who delight 
in the law of the Lord, right? That's what we learned back in Psalm 1. So I guess I would just ask at the end of that, like, do you believe it's true? Happy are those who have relationship with the Lord, like that that is the blessing. That is the the blessing of this kingdom. So it's good to think about. Okay, Uh, anybody have anything else they want to say from Psalm 144? I never want to sell anybody short. I think what hit me was um, when he asked, what is a human that you should care for? Yeah. Like we're just, you know, yeah. like an ant in the ground. Yeah. Yeah, God has so much love for us. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's so, I love that. that. Psalm 8 is so good. Like it's such a good picture of like the the bigness of God. I'm not using real words, but the bigness of God and the smallness of of humanity. Mm-hmm. This isn't about Psalm 144. Okay. But I think you guys just have to read Psalm 118 and pretend you're, like, cheering it. And it's really fun. Oh, yes! Okay, this is super funny. Because I used to have a roommate at Trinity who used to do this in the middle of, we'd take a study break, and then she was hilarious. And she would, like, cheer. She would do a cheer. But she would cheer a psalm. Like, she would read. This one works. Really? Okay. Yeah, everybody's going to go home and do that tonight. Yes. It's so much repetition. Yes. Well, she would do that to us, and then we would just get the giggles, and it was sort of waking us up. And then we actually would get so giggly, she would, she would do it out of Song of Solomon. And then that would just go way too far. She, we, she would give us a dramatic reading of Song of Solomon. So. Saying, yes. Name of the Lord, I cut them off. Yes, that's right. I cut them off. I cut them off. Yes, that's so good. You know, I was just thinking. It's I. I forget this all the time, and yet when you think about it, it's super interesting. Like these psalms by the people who were reading them every single Passover or who were like like worshiping at these triumphant times they did not have them like this right it wasn't like they oh they went home and read this psalm like it was in memory if they had it at all it was in memory passed down to them so how they interacted with the psalm was they heard it And then later on, actually, they would see it. And often they would see some of these things. That's why there's so many pictures and art in the temple and the tabernacle, because those pictures would tell the story, right? And so I just find that super interesting that they would, and that eventually they got written down at some point. But just that they were so, like, they knew them in their heart, and then they would pass them down. And I just, it's so... Neat to think about that. Well, yeah, that we should do the same thing, sure. To their children's children. Yeah, yeah, which was what they would have to do, right? And also, so then the Psalms, like, for us, when you started out, would you have said the Psalms are much more, this, like, private devotional book? It's your quiet time, right? Like, so many people treat the Psalms like that. Like, that's what you read in your quiet time when you're alone and, you know, you're feeling down. So you read a Psalm to encourage yourself. And yet, the Psalms were profoundly communal of any other book 
in the Bible. Like they were meant to be read together and to be cheered together. And yet we, we see them and we take them and use them in such a different way. So it's, it's just really, it's really good to think about that a lot and consider like, yeah, how we use the Psalms. And maybe, and maybe that's an encouragement to you. You know, you're in community groups, you're with friends or whatever. Like how can you use the Psalms communally? Like with your uh, faith community, what might that look like to sort of bring that back into the worship of the people of God? I think it's really, it's worth thinking about. And yeah. Yes, I wanted to try to have some meat ending to wrap up the psalms and it's kind of hard to do and I also felt like well I'm not I'm not ready to wrap up the psalms I'm not saying I'm going to make you keep studying it after Christmas like you're going to keep coming back and I'm going to keep saying we're still studying the psalms but I'm like I can see that being in the psalms is going to be a part of what I do every day going forward um in spite of whatever I'm studying. And I probably told you this a long time ago, but when we were stuck in COVID, when we were all actually just at home and not supposed to be leaving, I started praying the Psalms every single morning and I just started going through and just whatever one was next, I was going to somehow figure out how I was going to pray it. And I think that sort of started my journey in the Psalms. And so um, this has been really amazing to keep stay in one for a whole week. Um, but I also look forward to going back to just sort of going through all of them. So maybe that will be something, um, some application going forward that you will take the Psalms into continue or keep the Psalms in a part of your daily uh, time communing with God and spending time worshiping him. Um, one of the two big things that I hope we sort of take away, sorry, out of um, the Psalms is one that God is good and the other that God is great. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think I never said it to you in here, I think, because we ran out of time. And so I think it was when I did my podcast and just talked about what I had learned out of Psalm 91 or Psalm 92. Um, but I spent a lot of time thinking about that word good in the Hebrew, tov. Um, and I did a lot of studying um, that week when we were doing Psalm 91 and 92 and just thinking how like we set aside that word good for great is a better word and actually what I came out of the Psalms with is the idea of goodness and greatness that God is both and um, I think what I mean is that we see in the Psalms by by God's goodness I mean we see he is compassionate and gracious and loving and merciful and all these things that just are profoundly good. Um, And then also we see that he is great, that he is strong and mighty in wisdom and knowledge and the power to rescue and to assure victory. So he is both good and he is great. And when you really come to terms with the greatness of God, I think it evokes awe. And we talk about this a lot. And I don't think we can ever undersell it. Like, we need to, like, what are we doing to inspire awe for God? And I think the Psalms do a good job at, 
at leading us to that, that God is so great and mighty, we ought to have awe at that. And when we think about his goodness and all those qualities of his character that are so tender and good, profoundly good to us, um, that ought to evoke trust. So here we are left with awe and trust. And I think, I asked you last week when you left, what does it look like to praise the Lord with my life? And I think what it looks like to worship the Lord with your life or to work to praise the Lord with our lives is that combination of, of awe and trust. And I had this little, I put this, wrote this little mathematical equation out of words that awe plus trust equals praise or real worship. That we have such awe that it, um, we trust the Lord because we have seen what he has done and we know what he will do. And so we entrust our lives to him. And what that looks like is that we make these changes and we set aside this to pick up that, or we turn uh, towards this to turn away from that. Um, and I think uh, it's, that's a beautiful and very helpful way that the, psalm can, the Psalms can help us move forward. Um, how I wanted to end tonight was I wanted us to end the Psalms by reading the last Psalm together. So if you have your ESV journal, that was probably helpful um, if I would not have forgotten mine, but I have it on ESV here, so I hope it's the same um, year of translation. But So if you have a phone or a device, if you don't have your, yeah, because Psalm 150 is not in here, but maybe you can look off of a friend at your table. Or you can just pull out your device and we'll go to the ESV because most of you have your, and we will attempt to read, yeah, in unison. We will cheer. (laughs) Psalm 150, I'll just wait till everybody finds it. And we will read it together. 150. This is how the um, book five of the psalm ends, the psalms ends, and it's also how the entire collection ends. Do you have it? Okay, let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 150 leaves absolutely no question about what your application is to me. It is quite clear, isn't it? Um, And as I was reading that psalm, I I just read it yesterday because I thought, okay, we're done the psalms. I'm going to read Psalm 150. And I was like, well, this is a little repetitious. Like, they could have said some other things. They could have pulled these other lines. And actually, I was, for a minute, I was disappointed so I spent some time reading it over and over, and then I actually 
did some other reading and um, some beautiful things were said um, in the, this commentary by Derek Kidner that I sort of finished off this week by reading this. And, and his words on it were this, all has been said, all has already been said in 149 books. So what's left is for us simply to respond, right? Praise the Lord. With whatever you have, with absolutely all the means available to you, uh, praise the Lord. And I was thinking about it, it's a little bit like when I would teach um, kindergarten music, I taught a few of the rudimentary things about music and we taught musical opposites, so things like fast and slow and high and low and quiet and loud because kindergartners get that and it's a really good basic beginning start to music and then musical terms. So they think they're very smart because they know um, these words and these like Latin and is that what it is, Latin? And they go home and they tell their parents and they feel very smart. And so I always remember these little kindergarten kids, they would yell, fortissimo. Like. And I thought, that's what Psalm 155 is, basically. It's the fortissimo, like make it louder. Uh, all has been said, simply we need to respond as loudly with our life as we can. Um, both, and, and it says both things. Both those in the sanctuary, the people of God who are in his presence, and all in the firmament, right? Everything in the heavens. And it sort of reminded me, and I, I think this was the, maybe the end of Mark, how we, we ended, we spent a little time, I just read some things out of Revelation, but it just reminded me of that, of this huge worship thing that is happening at all times in heaven. And that the Psalms invites us into this idea of worship in a way that... Um, yeah, should maybe point us to this fact, like this is happening right now, right? The heavens are always declaring the glory of God. At the right hand of God, there are angels and, uh, you know, beings that are always constantly worshiping him. That's what John saw in his vision in Revelation. And when we gather across the street there in that building and we are lifting our voices, feeble as they are together, we're actually joining in with this way bigger thing that is not only happening right now in the heavens but has happened for all of time right and will continue to happen forever it's a big deal and it's an exciting thing to be a part of that worship um, so i just wanted to read um just as sort of a benediction over us from revelation again from revelation chapter five um, yeah, just sort of inspiring us to let, and what that, that last line of Psalm 50, 150, in the, in, the, in the Hebrew it says, I think in ours it said, let everything that has breath or something like that. Yeah. And the literal, like actually what the words in the Hebrew text say is, let all breath praise the Lord. Like all breath praise the Lord. So it's not just all people or whatever, but you know, God breathes out life in Genesis and let all breath now praise the Lord. Um, and just a, a, another application I hope that you take from this is that um, I, I actually hope that we do have some longing for eternity. You know, thinking about this big worship 
party that is constantly happening, how the Lord is being praised and Jesus is on the throne, that we could, I, I don't think I'm alone in saying like, I often forget to like long for eternity and long for the time when actually Jesus is present, ruling and reigning with his people, where you get to the end and everybody's just yelling, yes, praise the Lord, all has been said and all has been done. Like death has been finally defeated for all time. I think it does us, our faith, a lot of good to, um, to spend time longing for that. And what a better time to think about that than during the Advent season when that is what we ought to be doing, right? Looking back and saying, Jesus did come and Jesus will come and just longing for that. So I just hope that that could maybe be a, a secondary sort of application for you in this season. Um, I'm just going to read, read Revelation chapter 5 and it's verses 11 to 13. This is John speaking about his vision. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Wherever you're at, thanks for studying along. It's our continued prayer that as you seek refuge in the sanctuary that is the Psalms, you're formed in real faith, that you grow to delight in both God's law and his king, and that you know and experience firsthand the freedom and abundance found in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at crossridge.church forward slash wstudy, or you can email us at carolyn at crossridge.church. Grace and peace to you, and we will see you soon.